0: Chapter Twenty One of Bob the Castaway, or The Wreck of the Eagle by Frank V. Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Boydell. Chapter Twenty One More Arrivals All interest in building a hut was temporarily forgotten as the four castaways watched the slow approach of the boat. "'As it came nearer, it was seen to be the captain's gig "'in which Bob and his friends had left the ill-fated eagle. "'Do you think there'll be anything left in her?' asked Bob. "'There will, unless she is smashed,' replied Mr. Spark. "'The lockers in which most of the supplies were packed are watertight and securely fastened. "'This is a piece of good luck if the boat is not stoved in. "'She's turned bottom up, but she may still be sound.' She'll soon be here. When the gig was close enough so that they could wade out to it, Bob and Tim Flynn rolled up their trousers and went through the shallow surf. The beach gradually shelved at this point, and they could wade out nearly a quarter of a mile at low tide. She's all right, Captain, called the sailor when he and Bob reached the small craft. Sound as a dollar, and the lockers are closed, he added as the boat rolled partly over. "'Good,' cried the commander. "'Pull her in as close as you can "'and we'll unload her. "'Then we'll get her above our mark. "'This boat may save our lives.' "'How?' asked Mr. Tarbill. "'Why, when the sea goes down "'we can leave the island in her.' "'Leave the island? Never. "'I'm on dry land now "'and I'm never going to trust myself "'in a boat again.' "'Maybe you'll think differently after a bit,' "'said the captain. "'By this time,' Bob and Tim had the boat in very shallow water. They managed to turn it on the keel, and the first thing they saw was the sail in the bottom. Ropes, fastened to various projections, had prevented the canvas from floating away. "'There!' cried the captain when he saw it. "'That solves our shelter problem for us. We'll make a tent. Oh, we're in luck all right. Bob's Island isn't such a bad place after all.' Bob blushed with pleasure. "'Then and there he made up his mind "'that his foolishness should be a thing of the past. "'He was of some importance in the world now, "'and it would not do to be playing childish pranks. "'But if the captain was delighted at finding the sail, "'he was much more so on opening the lockers, "'which fastened with patent catches. "'Everything was found to be as dry as a bone "'as Tim Flynn expressed it. "'Now we can have a change from a fish-and-fruit diet.' said the captain, as he showed where the canned food had been stored away. There were tins of ship's biscuits, some jars of jam and marmalade, plenty of canned beef, tongue, and other meats, rice, flour, in short, a bountiful supply for the small party of castaways. Captain Spark ordered the boats to be well provisioned when he knew the eagle was doomed, and his forethought now stood them in good stead. In another locker was a kit of carpenter's tools, which would come in very handy if they were to remain long on the island, and in another watertight compartment the captain had stowed his chronometer, his instruments for finding the position of the ship, and some charts. Owing to the fact that the lockers remained tightly closed when the boat capsized, nothing had been lost out of them, and they had also served to make the gig more buoyant practically nothing was missing from the boat save the personal belongings of bob and the others their clothes in the valises the mast which had floated away and some of the captain's papers relating to the ship but this did not worry them as they were now in good shape to live on the island at least for several weeks all hands to lighten the ship called the captain when he had looked over what the boat contained "'They made short work of carrying the things from the lockers well upon the beach. "'With the boat thus made lighter, it was pulled out of reach of the waves. "'Now for a shelter,' the commander called when the gig had been safely moored. "'This sail will make a fine tent.' "'So it was proved when it was set upon some poles which Tim Flynn "'cut with a light hatchet found among the tools. "'Mr. Tarbill could not be depended on to do anything.' and he was so mournful standing around and lamenting the fact that he had ever undertaken the trip, that to get rid of him, Captain Spark sent him off once more to catch turtles, or, if he could not do that, to gather some of the eggs. This last Mr. Tarbill was able to do, but he was not successful in turning any of the crawling creatures over on their backs. The tent was erected before dark, and with a cheerful fire burning in front of it, supper was prepared. This time they had tin dishes to eat from as a supply was found in the gig's lockers. Tired out with their day's work, and by the struggle with the sea, the castaways all slept soundly. Nor was there any need to stand guard during the night. On beds of palm leaves under the tent, they slumbered, undisturbed until the sun, shining in on them, awoke all four. "'Well, I'm beginning to feel quite at home,' remarked the captain, who could be cheerful under misfortune. His good spirit should have been a lesson to Mr. Tarbull. That gentleman had lost nothing but what could be easily replaced. But the captain had lost his fine ship. Still he did not complain, and Bob, seeing his demeanour under trying circumstances, resolved to try and be like the stanch mariner. After breakfast captain spark looked carefully over the gig to see if the craft was seaworthy he decided that it was and sent tim to look about for a suitable small tree to be cut down as a mast for the sail are you going to sail away asked mr turbil nervously i don't know i want to be all ready to do so in case we find it necessary this noon i will work out our position and locate this island on the charts then i can determine how far it is to the nearest mainland or to a larger island i'll never go in a small boat on this big ocean declared mr tarbill captain spark who had completed his examination of the gig was standing near it idly gazing off across the waste of water which had greatly subsided since the storm when he caught sight of some small object about two miles offshore. bob he called "'Bring me the binoculars!' "'For a pair of marine glasses "'had been found in one of the lockers.' "'The captain gazed through the glasses "'for several seconds, then he cried out, "'More arrivals! Prepare for company, Bob!' "'Who, captain?' "'There's a boat off there, "'and in it are Mr. Carr, the first mate, and Ned Scud. "'But they seem to be in trouble, "'for they are bailing fast. "'Their boat must have a hole in it. "'We'd better go to their rescue!' End of chapter 21